Welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman. I'm a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. Today I have with me Ryan Larkin. Ryan is the COO of MD Staffers. Today we're going to be talking about the job market for informaticists, CMIOs, physician informaticists, and what it takes to get up and going and what the job market looks like. I'm really excited. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on the program. It's an honor. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about the job market for CMIOs and the ancillary positions around that. Great. If you would, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company and how this whole thing got started. Yeah, so I am the Chief Operating Officer for MD Staffers, which is a national physician staffing firm. We're actually the fastest growing physician staffing firm in the country and the 49th fastest growing company in the country, according to Inc. Magazine. So it's been a ride. I've been here for almost five years, and we've had uh, triple-digit growth year after year. So it's been fun. It's been educational. My background is information technology, actually, and so I actually started here as the Vice President of Service Delivery and uh, Chief Information Officer. So I have a little bit of information on the technology side of medicine and healthcare in general. And before that, I was in the military and, and still serve in the reserves. So that's a little bit high-level review of me. We staff everything from thoracic surgeons to utilization management, CMIOs, and everything in between. So that's kind of uh, about me and about the company. Yeah, but I bet as the, even though you're the COO, when someone's computer breaks, they still come to you to fix it, don't they? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was just on a webinar and we couldn't get logged in. And so I had to uh, jump into IT guy mode and do the admin override to get a program installed. So <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, so tell us, let's get to the, the meat of the story here. What's the job market like right now for CMIOs, for physician informaticists? Are we talking competitive or is it wide open? You, you could just put a resume on a website and you're golden. How does it work? So while the need for CMIOs is growing, it is a very competitive market. It's a competitive, uh, to be stand out as a candidate is difficult. There is a growing number of people interested in this area of medicine and in healthcare, but also there's people that are looking for ways to escape or supplement their full-time clinical practice. So I think that while there's a lot of positions and it's a growing area, I think that candidates have a lot to do to actually stand out and ultimately achieve their goal of, of becoming a CMIO, if that's their desire. So do you get, is it a corporation that's reaching out to you, a health system, or do you get contacted by startups or who's looking for CMIOs? That's a better question. So all of the above, we work with some fast-growing startups. We work with five of the top 10 health systems based on revenue in the country. We work with uh, a lot of academic institutions, Stanford, namely. And so we get those kinds of requests from insurance companies, from integrated health systems, and all the way down to community clinics, private practices, or group practices. So really the full gamut of organizations that are employing 10,000 plus employees all the way down to small group practices that are maybe 10, 10 physicians and, and their ancillary staff. 
So we're really seeing that demand come from every which way the job title might be different company to company, but the informatics is really still the core of what they're looking for. Can you give us some insight as to what they're looking for? And what I mean by that is uh, there's so many ways of defining a CMIO. Some might call it a CHIO. There's research informatics officers. There's little twists on them. But what are they looking for in terms of maybe the skill set or the job responsibilities? Fill us in on that. I'm a layperson, obviously. So my understanding of it comes from the IT side and from the, the business person in me. So as far as the technical medical skill set they're looking for, I think it's uh, difficult for me to define that. But I think really universally what the CMIO role is, is they're looking for a physician a non-lay person to be able to interact with the physicians, the EMR, everything that goes along with that to the business leader, right? So these are the operation staff, these are the strategy folks. And so having a liaison there is I think the universal aspect to the position that I'm seeing out there. I'll agree that all the positions out there have some liaison function. Some of the newer positions that I'm seeing are taking on even some of the CIO roles of managing analysts or handling analytics. Are you seeing more responsibility, more direct reports to the CMIO role, or is it still just liaison role and that's predominantly what they want? That, you bring up a great point there, Mark, because historically I think the CMIO role was really a role with maybe one or two reports. Historically, maybe the executive assistant, maybe one other person. but I'm really seeing the CMIO role develop not only to take on more analysts, but in several organizations that we work with, uh, I can tell you that the CMIO also functions as the deputy CMO. So we'll function when the CMO is away as the chief medical officer. So I'm seeing a lot more of crossover in that direction. There's some crossover in the CIO role in that they're having total ownership of the EMR, the, the electronic health record, but I really definitely see crossover on the actual uh, service delivery side of the business. Uh, and when I say business, I mean the, the healthcare system organization. I'm seeing that pretty frequently, especially in the government space. I'm going to take us completely off of the direction I thought we were going on, but let's keep going here. In terms of who a CMIO reports to, what are you seeing? Is it the CIO? Is it the CMO? Is it the COO? Is it the CEO? I haven't seen a lot of that, but what do you see? So I think uh, a lot of what I see is the CMIO reporting to the CMO and in various areas now, right? This is really going to depend on the size of the organization. So I'll take one uh, large healthcare organization that we work with. I won't, they'll remain nameless, but they have regional CMIOs that report to the regional chief physician executive. So they're really a function of a large uh, geographic area. So that chief physician executive is going to have the CMIO handling the informatics side of the house. And this chief physician executive also has nine CMOs that report to him from various hospitals. So that's normally the reporting structure I'm seeing in larger organizations. It's a regional approach. I think the CMIO reporting to the CMO is the most common trend that I've seen. I haven't seen it drift too far away from there. And I suspect in the uh, states with medical practice acts, that is where uh, corporations cannot employ physicians, I suspect that that has something to do with why the 
CMIO might be employed by a medical group or by a foundation versus by reporting to the CEO or the COO. Interesting. I think the structure that comes in terms of who the CMIO reports to dictates a lot about what they do. So I see CMIOs that report to the CMO, they're knee deep in quality issues. They're trying to use the electronic health record to drive quality and to help with patient safety. When they report to the CIO, it's more about care and feeding of the electronic health record, making sure the analysts aren't breaking things and helping with training of the electronic health record. Is that feel right to you? It does. And I think if you take that a step further and talk about having that role feed into the COO, they're probably going to be looking at driving revenue, right? What are we not billing for? So I, I do believe that there's going to be a tilt. So the CMO may have more focus on quality because they may not necessarily care about what the revenues are or how the billings are because ultimately they care about the patient safety where you take that same person and have them reporting to a different function, there's going to be a slight slant to their core responsibilities just based on what their, their supervisor is doing. And if you take that at just a base level, the way I just described it kind of sounds sinister, but really I think the CMIO is uh, there to compensate and complement whoever the reporting structure is. So if it's the CMO, that CMIO is there to complement where the CMO has a weakness. The CMO may not have the strength in informatics, and that's what that CMIO there is there to do, is to really advise the CMO and the other leadership team, be a liaison, interpret, so on and so forth. Right. I, I think when people are applying for CMIO roles, they need to really look at that reporting structure. It's hard to tell from the job descriptions in terms of what a, the CMIO role is really going to do. But there's got to be that fit. If you're more of the informaticist EMR kind of guy, you get put in the quality safety role, you may not enjoy that. And the same is true on the other side. So I, I think that's part of finding that cultural fit and that match. Do you assess for that when you're looking at candidates? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're screening with generally in the C-suite which the, the CMIO role does fit into the C-suite. And so we're really looking for personality and then what they're interested in, right? So as you kind of alluded to there, if you put somebody who really cares about quality and all they're focusing on is underbilling or they're focusing on customization of the EMR, they're probably not going to have a lot of drive to be there. Mm -hmm. Not going to be a match. So I think that role is one that is very fluid in, organization to organization and leader to leader. So let's say you find a candidate and you're going through the process, they're doing the interview thing, and it seems like, yeah, the company and the prospect they're going to work out, it sounds like, and that CMIO wants to be more than what the position is currently designed for. So they don't want to just do care and feeding of the EMR. I'm seeing this with some of the more mature CMIOs that are out there. They've done the, okay, let's make the EMR better, friendlier. They've done that for 15 years. Now they really want to get into the strategy and really interact more with the CEO and the board and have that exposure. But if the position's not designed for that, is that negotiable or is it just forget it? It's the wrong mix. You're not the right candidate for the position. Well, it really depends on the candidate qualifications, right? So that's where it's really going to behoove the, the applicant to set themselves apart, right? So we have it many times. I mean, with all modalities from 
your staff physician position to medical director to CMO, where they have a particular skill stack that complements the organization in a way that maybe it wasn't originally sought out when HR received the, the notice that there's a job opening. So I think that being upfront is really important because ultimately the employer cares about retention, right? They don't want to hire somebody for a year or even two years mm-hmm. because the return on investment on the CMIO is really going to be in year two, three, four, and so on. And with most hires, that's the case. So that's something we got to be pretty sensitive about. And that's why working with a recruiter, and I'm partial, of course, but working with a recruiter is really helpful because you can have that candid conversation and say, look, Bob, this is what I'm looking for. And these are the areas that I'm interested in. And that's what we're looking for is to find a position that not only meets the geographic location and the reporting structure and so on and so forth, but really there's some passion or drive to what they're doing. Because if there's not, it's not going to work out long term and Mm -hmm. it's not going to make us look good. (laughs) Right. So help me understand how you find people. How do you find someone when you've got the position, the companies come to you and said, hey, go fill this. Now what? What does your role look like? So our approach is uh, multifaceted. On one hand, we take the, get all the nitty gritty of the the position and put it into our, our system and then it flows out to about 150 job boards nationally. And so that's one way we do it, and that gets a lot of active job seekers. But the other way that we're uh, approaching these people, especially for these highly highly coveted positions, right? So you're talking about a major health system CMIO role. We're going to have to headhunt for that because the chances are the candidate that they're looking for isn't actively looking at that time. So we're going to go out and hit the social media channels. I definitely recommend any physician to have an active LinkedIn profile. It's a good way to get recruited, and it's a good way to know what's out there and know your worth. So that's what our recruiters spend a lot of time doing is perusing the LinkedIns, perusing the different websites of companies we're not working with, and reaching out to those people and saying, hey, this is what I have. Are you interested? So it's a lot of active reach out, especially in the physician staffing space, right? So you look at IT staffing, you look at clerical staffing, and there's a lot of active job seekers. In the physician staffing world, that's not necessarily the case. So that's kind of our approach is some active candidate phishing with some job posts and then also direct reach out to the candidates. So what does a physician who's interested in this field put in their LinkedIn profile that's going to catch your eye or you want to reach out to them? So really we're going to be looking for having done several headhunting missions. I'm still our, our chief operating officer, but I will put on my boots and go after a good search myself. I'm still And what I'm looking for, if I'm looking for a CMIO role, is somebody who obviously has the credentials as far as the MD, uh, has a solid MD, went to a solid training program, but then maybe had a couple extra letters added to the end of their name. So something like an MBA, an MPH, something that shows that they're going above and beyond outside of their regular uh, medical doctorate. And I think that's especially important for mid to late career physicians when you're when you spent 30 years clinically practicing and then all of a sudden you want to move into informatics it's hard to sell yourself in that when you're mid to late career if you haven't shown the initiative that you're interested in expanding your knowledge or you're interested in a different area of healthcare so i think i highly recommend uh, mba program mph program to set yourself apart what about the informatics boards so there's the 
You could sit down, take this test. Uh, right now, you can get grandfathered in if you've been in informatics for a couple of years. They let you sit for the test. Does there? And I know many of my colleagues have gone out and gotten this informatics board, so they're double boarded: emergency medicine and informatics, or pediatrics and informatics. Does that hold any weight, or is it really the MBA it, that they're looking for? I think it does. Whether it's more or less than an MBA or some other, even a master's in technology, right? Business technology, information systems. I, I would have to lean towards the education route. It's going to depend on the hiring manager, though. So they might say, "Well, we really want this, you know, person to be board certified." But the reality is, is that that board is not the same as ABIM, right? So it's not a necessity at this point. It may be in the future that it goes that direction. But you have a lot of people that are fighting that in the regular American Board of Medical Specialties world already. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the way it goes. But I think it's definitely something to show that, hey, I've learned about this. I'm serious about it. And I've actually sat for an exam and, and I know a thing or two. So let's start with someone who's fresh out of residency but has an interest in this. Perhaps they've even done the fellowship in informatics, which is going to be the only way to sit for the boards coming up. I think another two years or so, they lock out all the non-fellowship trained. So they're really pretty fresh. They're, they're relatively young in the space. They're probably not very clinically experienced yet. What skills should they be working on to move up in the physician informatics world? Well, Mark, we can talk about getting the right skill stack, right, for a CMIO role or informatics, medical informatics role. But I think there's also something to be said for the mindset that you have to be in to get these positions. We talked briefly about how competitive these roles are. And I think that having an openness in the type of role uh, that you take on for your first, second, third position uh, is really crucial. Your first role in informatics might be a 0.1 FTE, when I mean 10% informatics and 90% clinical. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with that if you're in it for the long haul. If you're in it to be the CMIO of tomorrow and then maybe progress to CIO or CMO or whatever your aspirations are, maybe you're happy with CMIO, whatever it is, you have to be willing to be flexible in the beginning because it's a highly competitive area. People are interested in informatics but also people are looking for any reason or way to get out of 100% clinical medicine. Physician burnout is real. I hear it daily. I, we have so many inquiries from physicians who are tired of practicing in a clinic Monday through Friday, every day, and these are the 12 tenths physicians that are working 50 to 60 hours a week, and they're tired of it. So we have those kinds of inquiries daily. Now, those same people, the ones that are going to set themselves apart are the people that take the initiative to go to school and that, or that take the initiative to say, hey, I understand this is only a 10% informatics role, but you know what? I'm willing to take that on because I want to do this long term. The health systems, it's a big investment to take a CMIO on. And I think even an informatics officer, if you take it down a couple notches, it's a big investment. And the healthcare machine is looking for people who are seeing patients and are able to generate revenue. And so sometimes that's a good way to get your foot in the door is to take a clinical position with a very minor piece of informatics. Um, and I highly recommend that approach of being flexible and adaptable. 10, 15 years ago, I 
you saw people becoming CMIOs or informaticists because they were good leaders, they were well respected, they were able to keep the surgeons in line, whatever, whatever skill sets that were needed. They may not have had any informatics knowledge. It's just like, hey, we're going to be putting in an EMR and we want you to be the buffer in between. I think those days are really over. I think now you really do need to have some of that informatics skills where you've got experience. And sometimes that just comes from being on the committees. Some of that's free. Some of that's you're just donating your time to the organization to get the experience. So I agree with you. I think you've got to put in the time in order to try to make it to that next level. Yeah, I mean, even volunteering for a credentials committee, all those things that pay off because it's going to show leadership, right? That position mm -hmm. is a highly autonomous, not that practicing medicine isn't autonomous, but it's a highly autonomous role, really. You're reporting to the CMO who's worried about thousand other things, let's just say you're reporting to the CMO, you know, they, they, they need somebody that can plug and play and has the initiative and the drive to really own that seat. So you know, something internally, we use the term right people, right seat. And so the organization is constantly going to be looking at that as like, is this somebody that can function with a very minimal amount of supervision and get us across the finish line? And sometimes showing that initiative to go out and learn and go out and volunteer for different committees and brush elbows with the right people that makes the difference of getting the job or not. Something you, you mentioned earlier is about the person that comes out and says, hey, we're getting an EMR system. We want you to be the buffer. And there's another piece to that too, is that you think about the people who are coming out of training now, the physicians that are coming out, the young physicians, their undergrad is almost always going to be biology or biochem or an affiliated science. I was just looking at a resume yesterday of somebody who came through and they actually had a business undergrad degree. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. So you think about from the business acumen of the average physician coming out of training who spent their entire career really training on science, you've got to find a way to set yourself apart and to prove that you're capable of that position, whether it's a 10% position or 100% position in informatics, you've got to find a way to set yourself apart. And that's the reality. I want to talk a little bit about the other end of the spectrum. These are the docs who've been in it for a while and their experience perhaps looking to jump to a bigger system or take on more responsibility. So let's answer this first one. How important is it to continue to practice medicine to the employers when you are a later stage CMIO? So I think it's going to really depend on the health system because a, and the preference of the hiring manager. So on one hand, you have the health system that says, okay, again, this is a position where we, this is a half percent informatics and half family medicine clinical outpatient position. You have that, but you also have the system and the leadership that takes the position that we want to have our leaders connected to our physicians. We don't want somebody who's just sitting in a desk in an office that's so con far connected from the clinical flow of the system that they're designing, right? So I think that those are kind of the two schools of thoughts or the two chief reasons that systems say, hey, we want somebody to be involved. It's like, A, they can't afford to have a full-time CMIO, or they want to have the CMIO involved clinically and not totally detached from the front-end physician in the system. 
So I'm going to get myself in a world of trouble right now, but watch this. I believe when CMIOs see a position that's out there and it's posted to be 50-50, so 50% clinical, 50% CMIO, they should turn and run. And I'll tell you why. Number one, anyone who's been doing this job knows it's not a 50% job to do it well. Or the job you're being asked to do is so watered down and it's not going to have that long-term satisfaction to it. You really are going to be just a cheerleader trying to keep a buffer between the docs and, and IT. And the other thing is the health system probably doesn't have the money to afford you. And so they're looking for you to earn your paycheck and cover it on the clinical side, which to me is a red flag. My two cents, I'm off my soapbox. I'm probably in trouble. But <laughs> No, I, and, and Mark, I think your point is well taken. And I, But I do think that there's something to be said for somebody who's trying to start out. So somebody with zero experience in informatics and they have the opportunity to be exposed to it. And frankly, I mean, end of the day, that, that CMIO title is going on their resume. Are they going to be seeing more opportunities than someone without it? Absolutely. Because they're going to have that on their LinkedIn or on the job board, wherever they are looking for a job. So I do think that that's not ideal for somebody who has five years experience, three years experience in, in informatics. But for somebody who's looking to get a leg up or a leg in, that's a really good way to go. All right. I can buy that. You, you convinced me. I, I'm there. All right. So let's keep going with a CMIO that wants to branch out a little bit. We already talked about the jump to CMO. I've seen a handful. It's growing of the CIO where you no longer need, so to speak, that CIO, the CMIO can do almost both roles and they're just a little bit weak on the infrastructure and IT security parts, but they tend to support that with either a really strong right hand CISO for the security side. What do you think? Are you getting any requests for CIOs that have an MD degree? It's not something that's common. I'll say. I've seen it. In fact, there's a health system, pretty large health system here on the West Coast that just recently um, I connected with the person on LinkedIn and we, we exchange emails or messages every now and again. And, and he actually was serving as interim CIO of the health system and now he just took the role on as a CIO. I don't think that it's a necessarily common thing, but here's the other piece of it is as we as this position develops and evolves, I think that it's well within the realm of possibilities to see that happening more and more often, um, especially as the educational background of these CMIOs changes, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about kind of the legacy, we'll call them the legacy CMIOs that were kind of shoved into the role because, hey, you know how to talk to people, you know how to talk to the docs, and you know how to use a mouse and keyboard, you know, here. We want you to do this. And you're seeing people that are really highly trained and understand the fundamentals of information technology. So I do think that that's going to happen. I do see a, a, a common that the CMIO also holds the deputy CIO billet. I've seen that several times mm -hmm. um, where either the CIO leaves and then they're the interim CIO or they're the deputy CIO, um, especially in the government world. That's pretty common. Okay. Okay. So this is the tough question, but it's the one everyone wants to hear. In terms of salary and benefits, what are you seeing? Let's start at the at the young end first. Let's say you're going to get a 0.2 uh, FTE status or up to a 0.5. You're relatively on the early side of the CMIO side, and maybe you can then expand off and go into okay, this is what we think 
or what the salary band we're seeing on some of the late stage CIO, CMIOs who are pretty experienced carrying a couple degrees with them now. Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like? Yeah, so I think um, on the early stage, I think it's going to really depend on the, the specialty of the, of the physician, especially when they're taking a fractional position. I've seen it done where basically the, the you know, kickbacks the, is a bad word uh, in, in healthcare, but I'll just say the kickback is they take a clinical position, let's just say it's family medicine, and they get a $300,000 compensation package, and they say, hey, this is what your salary is going to be. You're going to be half clinical and half informatics. And that's good enough for the candidate, right? Because they're relieved. Hey, I got a foot in the door. But I've seen on the other end of the spectrum, it get all the way into $1.7 million. That's, that's a number that I've seen for the CMIO role. So it really depends on the size of the health system, the need, and really adding value. I think that that's something that's missed in healthcare a lot, is adding value. It's like, how can you as a CMIO add value and constantly challenge yourself to add value that's identifiable and measurable to the leadership team. The more you can make yourself invaluable, the better. So, Well, I'm telling you, based on the number you just put out there, that I am going to go ahead and walk into my CEO's office and say, I want to raise because I'm not getting anywhere near 1.7. No, I'm teasing. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I get fired immediately. But it's an interesting point that the, the numbers are pretty broad. And that is from my friends that are in the industry. It is all over the map, and it does depend upon the amount of years of clinical practice as well as the extra three letters that are coming along with the MD degree and as well as the informatics training. So I think you're right. It is all over the map. And adding value. I mean, I think that's something that's really missed is, right, if you have a CMIO that's in there and, and they're recovering billing that otherwise wouldn't happen or they're finding ways to allow the primary care physicians are going to hate me for saying this, but finding a way for your primary care docs to see more patients in a day efficiently, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be a demonstrable improvement and something that's going to really move the needle for the health system. And they find, hey, Mark's doing quality. He's managing the EMR system. And hey, based on these changes to the EMR system, our primary care docs are seeing on average three patients a day more than they otherwise were just because of the clinical application flow. There are providers right now who want to get into the space, want to move up. Do they work with the recruiter? Do they put, say, hey, hold on to my resume? Or is it you wait for the recruiter to reach out to you? How does that relationship develop? For the professional that wants to get into this, into informatics, I highly recommend talking to a recruiter. Nobody likes to get the pestering phone calls. I get them myself and I'm not a physician. <laughs> so I know that the physicians are inundated with phone calls, emails, texts, and all that. But if you can find a couple reputable recruiters to work with, that's really going to be your best way that is on autopilot. That recruiter is going to be out there looking for every position that they can for you because they're only going to get paid if they find you a job that you take. Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider. I think recruiters kind of have a bad rap and, but when you think about it is that they're going to work hard for free for you and really be your Hollywood agent is kind of the, the metaphor I use. They're looking to find you the perfect role. And so finding a couple, you don't want to blast your resume out there. Otherwise your phone's going to get inundated and you're going to have to change your phone numbers. Am I exaggerate? <laughs> Am I exaggerating? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, finding somebody that's reputable, um, that deals with informatics or a reputable company. That recruiting company is in your area or in your target market or you see a position that's similar. Even if that position doesn't necessarily fit what you're looking for, 
reach out to them, talk to them, make sure you're talking to somebody who's experienced, and give them your wish list. I always say, if you could describe your dream job to me, what would it be? And I start writing down from there. Oh, I like that. Okay. Okay. Are there any positions out there right now that you want to highlight? Anything that uh, you will get inundated by resumes, by the way, yeah. if, you, if you do this. But I'm going to put it out there to you. Your choice. Anything you want to talk about there? Our approach with CMIOs, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but a lot of our positions we don't post because we have a good Rolodex of candidates. So I recommend anybody who's interested in a role in informatics or even anything that's non-clinical, um, and clinical obviously, but non-clinical utilization management, things like that, send us an email or go to our website, mdstaffers.com. We'll hook you up with a recruiter. You'll talk to one person, that entire person, until we find you a job, and that's going to be the best way to go. And, and it's going to be your job search is going to be on autopilot, which is, I think, really great for the practicing physician. Ryan, this has been fantastic. I love this conversation. Is there any way if people want to either reach out to you or your company, if, I guess to reach you, it would be more uh, about the, maybe the, the things you've been talking about, the job market or just high level questions, but if they really wanted to get to a recruiter, what's the next step for someone? How do they do that? So go into our website, mdstaffers.com or sending us an email, info, like as in informatics, at mdstaffers.com and that'll hook you up with a recruiter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. As I mentioned, I, if everybody, all your listeners created a LinkedIn, they would be better off in their job search. And so I'm active on LinkedIn. I recommend they connect with me. I'm happy to personally introduce them to one of our all-star recruiters and make sure they get the absolute best service. Thank you, Ryan. I've enjoyed the conversation. All right. Thanks, Mark. And that's our show for today. You've been listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect, and I look forward to bringing you our next episode.